There's a story inside every smoke shop, with every cigar, and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle at Boveda. This is Box Press. Welcome to another episode of Box Press. I'm your host, Rob Gagne with Boveda, and I am sitting across the founders of Boveda. This is finally happening. We are celebrating 25 years in business, and we have Tim Swale and Sean Knutson. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you. Can you believe this is actually happening now? Thank you very much. Tur turning yeah. around, you guys are on the other side of the camera. Yeah. Typically, you're behind me watching me interview Carl Malone or some other famous person that I have no idea who they are. Yeah. And uh, laughing at how much I'm uh, squirming in my seat because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim and I, by the way, correction there, you had, we are two of six original founders. So Correct. We're, uh, not the two founders, Thank but uh, two of with four other uh, four other guys. Let's get into that too, because the way you guys even got into this business was very unique. You met a gentleman that made wood humidors, small ones, and this gentleman had made you guys some humidors, and then you ended up inviting him over to your house. So take us back to that yeah. first interaction. First of all. If you take a look at the six guys that got together and formed a company, it is nothing short of miraculous that these six individuals coming from totally different walks of life hardly knew each other, except for Tim and I knew each other, so that connection was there. And other than that, uh, one of the main individuals was an acquaintance with the other ones. And so here are six people who had no idea who they were, never even really got to know each other very well before we formed a company. Yeah. It's kind of a dominoes of destiny uh, scenario that happened that's, I think, really kind of uh, remarkable. That's amazing. Starting with a guy who, had a, who loved cigars, trying to capitalize on the cigar boom in the mid-90s, making really cool uh, humidors in Minnesota here and trying to market those at the, uh, you know, the big industry trade shows, the RTDA show, and so on. Trying to get interviews and, and trying to you know, make it happen. And if you remember in the 90s, you know, it was kind of cigars were, cigars were the thing. And so Wall Street was you know, taking companies public. Um, people were getting into the industry to capitalize yeah. on it, much like they do in the cannabis industry now, where it's, it's like an influx of yeah, so many. Hollywood glamorized it. I mean, it, you had all of the aspects. You had the financial, you had the social, right. all coming together to create this market that everybody, you know, really got behind and, and created a boon in it. Yeah, restaurants and everything. So this guy, in this guy... Um, was trying to just sell his humidor, and so he was on the Joe Sutre show. And, uh, and that's a radio show? Yeah, that's a radio show in the Twin Cities. It's, mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's still I think it's still on. Anymore. On. Been around a long time, but you, Garage Logic was kind of their mm -hmm. theme. You see the GL and the little round stickers on people's windows. So he had quite a, quite a following. I um, know Garage Logic. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Famous. that's famous here, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, well, th this guy contacted a friend of his who was an acquaintance, but he's retired. He's older. The, uh, David, the humidor maker, is younger. Dr. Albert Sari had retired from General Mills. He called him because he had a problem and he needed to solve it. Uh, Dr. L uh, came up with a concept to solve it, recruited a friend of his. He didn't know David, uh, but Al knew Bob, 
And then, uh, then Tim miraculously turns on the radio one day when he's driving down the road to hear an interview. And because he enjoys cigars, he knows I enjoy his cigars, he listened to this interview, thought, hey, we, you know, this is pretty cool. Tim called, I remember the, I vaguely remember the phone call. Hey, I heard this guy on the radio and thinking, okay, yeah, whatever. And uh, it's cool, we should go buy, and we always, who doesn't want a humidor? I mean, right. uh, we wanted a humidor yeah. bad and let's, let's go get one. Well, so was that all he was talking about on the radio or yeah. was he saying anything about the humidity thing? No, no, no. He, so it's just the humidor. Yeah, just the humidor. So that's, he was in production, small quantities using exotic woods and was making small portable humidors. And he hadn't uh, he hadn't scaled the whole idea of what he was talking with with Dr. Al was in the background of you know hopefully something could happen with that at some point. So when uh, when I heard him on the radio, he was talking about these woods and how strong they were and they're really cool shapes and designs and and uh, so I didn't catch his name or his company name, so I called the radio station and said who was that guy, and they gave me his information. I called him. And he was super nice and was just said, hey, why don't, you, uh, why don't you come out to my woodworking shop and I'll show you around. I'll show you the different wood options and you guys can choose your own. You know, you can choose your own. So then that's when I called Sean and I said, just had a great conversation. What's your schedule like? Let's go out yeah. and see this guy. And was it Delano? What, uh, just no, it, Maple, it, uh, Maple Grove. So it was yeah, on it was territor territorial, Territory Road or Territorial Road in Maple Grove, if you're familiar, just on the north side of 94. Um, oh, I'm familiar. I'm from Maple Grove. Yeah, Wonder over there, rural area, woodworking shop out in the mm -hmm. middle of just, yeah. uh, you know, really, kind yeah. of, pretty much, <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much, we went out there and there wasn't much of this guy's shop. He, this is, he was sharing a shop with Noel, who was also one of the founders, so Noel owned the woodworking yeah, shop. Yeah, because Noel's a cabinet guy. Noel's a total cabinet, that's how Noel is building. one of the, you know, right. rounding out the six founders, Noel, because he so owned that crazy. shop. And so there, you know, there was, yeah. he kind of, you know, it didn't have anything to do with the business in the sense of that, but, but was connected to David um, because of that. Uh, so Noel being a cabinet maker and then all of a sudden getting into the humidification business, bizarre. Yeah, to but, think that like yeah. where your life leads you, yeah. I have no idea. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Like I said, going back, I mean, we're talking, you can almost say a few short weeks. Now, the concept of controlling the humidity came back in the in probably early '96 or even 1995 when David originally had the problem. Okay. But fast forward now at the end of toward the end of 1996 is when we get got involved. But the humidity, this product and technology was was you know not discussed or nowhere right. on the surface at this point. We just didn't want we, when we went to see David. He had these small humidors. They're really cool. They're actually wood and they're designed to go into a big jacket. But we wanted something um, bigger, like a cabinet. Right. And so we thought, you know, because in Cigar Aficionado, a company called Vigilant was advertising these big cabinets. We always thought, hey, that's pretty neat. David, can you make this? He said, yeah, I can make that for you guys. And this was in late 1996, September, October-ish, 96, yeah. probably September of 96. Okay. We said, hey, I'd like a black walnut. Tim said, I'd like a cherry wood. It's great. See you later. Here's a down payment, or you know, and right. and you know, so roughly it. the dimensions, and you know, it was uh, just to get a humidor made. Yeah, one for cabinet maker, basically. Yeah, cigars, woodworker. Woodworker. He's yeah. making humidors. Did he smoke cigars too? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he smoked yeah. cigars. He into the culture. He was into it. Yes, he was yeah. totally into it. Yeah. So then, yeah. how long did it take to get made? Well, let's go October, November, December, January, February, March. Probably six months later. Yeah. 
boom, we got a call. Dave, here, David, your humidors are ready. It was taking a long time. We were both like, man, what's going on? Yeah, yeah did this guy run out on I us? I think he said it would be like uh, eight weeks, two months, something yeah, like that. Right, and right. then it kept dragging on, and we're like, oh, okay. It, it was late March or even early early April, so we're yeah. now getting into the you know the springtime, Easter's coming up, and all of that. We went and picked up the humidors, and that it, it was earlier in the week, and then that Friday night, uh, it was Tim was coming over to my house in St. Paul with a couple other, but I think it was just uh, four of us, and we said, "Hey, David," because this guy was a pretty interesting individual. He was very um, creative, super smart, uh, interesting guy. So you think of the destiny of Tim turning on the radio to hear this thing at that right. moment in time. Us going there and then saying, "Hey, David, why don't you come over?" to my house for dinner and cigars. We And, and that was a Friday night, I remember vividly. So he, you go to pick up your humidor and then you invite him over for dinner because you're having this we're thing having anyways. Cigars. Why don't you come cool on over? Guy. guy seems why cool. Let's, yeah. Why don't you come over? And, and, and the guys who were there were just guys we went to college with. We graduated from college with and we were friends. We stayed friends after college and it was just a cigar night That's and That's kind of risky though from a perspective of like, you know how you kind of have pockets of friends? Yeah. And I kind of pocket my college friends as like, Boy, if you get in our inner circle, we're going to be talking about our old days. Yeah. So you really got to hang, you know, hold your own conversation. So this David must have had a really good conversation background because for he you was. to invite him into your kind of inner circle of college buddies, it's like, hey, that could either go really well or really bad. He's a very personable individual. Yes. He makes friends quick. And you're right, I, I, at least for me, that's, I, I typically, that wouldn't be natural for me to say, right. why don't you come on over? We've already got, we, we, you know, we've got a history here. You don't, and that's, it's a little bit odd. And you're going to make There's another domino in the, in the trail that happened. It's yeah. like, hey, come on over. And then that night he came on over, and I, I remember him putting it on the kitchen table, this, this bag with this handmade yeah, pouch. Handmade that, pouch. That we had, you know, of course, we have no clue about a saturated salt solution and all that, but he explained it to us and said, I got to show you guys something that's really neat that I've, uh, you know, had made with. This is the first reveal of essentially Humidipac slash Bovda to, to, to you guys. To us. And it was, Humidipac yeah. and it was, wasn't even in the, his company name was Sage Cigar Box Company, so this is kind of important in the history. not Sage this, the way you would spell Sage, but smoke them if you got them. That's right. Yes. S-E-I-Y-G-E. Yeah. S-E-Y. S-E-I-Y-G-E. Y-G-E. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they would, yeah. uh, everybody -E call it. S-E-I-Y-G-E. Seagy, you know. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. nobody ever it got was... it right. Nobody came out with sage. Right. <laughs> it, was like, it, got it doesn't butchered. look like sage. It it's not yeah. pronounced sage. Okay. But, Good. you know, when, when David was there that night and he put down this bag, uh, I remember it this way, and Sean can clarify, but I just remember him saying, at the end of the night, this thing's going to be sitting at 75%. So he had a he had the the prototype in there with a hygrometer inside a bag, and he said the hygrometer will read seventy five percent at the end of the night. I think when it went in, it was in the fifties, mid fifties, something like sure. that. External and, environment, pretty yeah. common. And uh, lo and behold, at the end of the night, we went to that thing, and it was sitting at seventy five percent. We were like, "What is?" This? Yeah, this is what, How, he, had, you know, he had sodium yeah. chloride in there, uh, yeah. obviously, because that's table salt is. So it's the easiest salt to get, right. and so that's what Al had made in the kitchen, his kitchen. And yeah, exactly. Watching it within a few hours here, this is going to be there, and we thought, oh, this is weird. And it was in a bag, and so he actually shared his vision on it, which was to say, hey, you know, the cigar stores would just 
sell these, you know, with, you know, in the store and, and just like, wow, disposal portable. We knew how the challenges of, of uh, in being a cigar, uh, I say, you know, connoisseur or whatever. We enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. But we didn't have a humidor and we had to go buy our cigars that night, that day, because they would degrade and they would be dry up and all of that. So we saw that value um, in this really simple, inexpensive, disposable product. Now, Tim and I, here's what resonated in my mind, and I, th and I think it did in Tim's too. So when you're in sales, you can have a great month, all right? That's awesome. You get to the end of the month, all right, now you're day one, you're at zero again. Okay, and it's like, well, you gotta, you gotta go at it again. And, it, and it's fun. Sales is a, is a very difficult uh, profession, but it's very rewarding and the opportunity is great because you can make more. And so this, we were both selling products that were, you know, we didn't get the residual on it. And so seeing this disposable product was like, okay, this is pretty, pretty cool. right. fascinating. You invite David over for cigars and dinner. And at the end of the night, what does David say? So you guys see this technology, it gets to 75, then what's, what's well, he, next? He, he could tell we were enamored with this technology. Like, this is great, because we love, we had a passion for cigars. And we knew, too, because we talked about it that night, that this isn't just for premium tobacco. I mean, the, the implications from a, packaging, um, from a packaging standpoint and to commercialize it in various industries to, to manage the moisture inside of packaging to a specific point and knowing that we, you know, because David told us is we could, you know, different salts, we could meet, you know, different humidity levels. We knew cigars was, was key, big, exciting, and all of that, but it was, it was more more than that. So he could tell that we were really enamored. I think uh, we hit it off in a very, uh, obviously, this is a short period of time, okay? Mm -hmm. We're, we are, yeah. you are looking at uh, six people who didn't know each other at all in a matter of weeks, essentially. Right. To form a company. But David said, he's walking out. And he said, uh, will you guys go into business with me? <laughs> what did like, you say? It's like, well, you know, it was pretty much in, in our minds. I can't yeah. remember if we said yes, absolutely, emphatically yes, or get back to you tomorrow. Yeah, it was more but of like, hey, we're really interested, yeah. But, you know, the one of the, I just remember the comment he made is he said, I don't have any money, I don't know how to run a business, and you guys seem like you're really professional, successful at what you're doing, I like you guys, I, you know, just, we need, I need help in making this thing a reality in essence i mean that's the gist of the conversation mm -hmm. right was and, that kind of a red flag though like i have no money and no i have not no 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 man somebody tells me you want to go in business but i don't have any money i go what are you looking at me to be the bank oh well yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, look, at, look, look at it this way but he he had all the cards david really had all the cards he's really kind of the one that said hey let's when you go into business you get equity so we put bottom line is we said yes okay and then he introduced us to Dr. Al Sari and Bob Who's Essie. the chemist. Bob, yeah. Al's the chemist. He conceived of the idea. He recruited Bob. He's this the one a, making the saltwater solutions. Yeah, he, yeah was a form, he was a formulations chemist for General Mills. I mean, really one of their uh, senior chemists there, highly respected, uh, many patents that he's been awarded, a lot of innovations that he's done for General Mills in the and he worked in the frostings area is one of the areas that he worked with. And in the frostings area, you, viscosity is important. You know, you use, you use thickeners so, and so on so that you get the right 
um, texture and the frosting. And that was a really key component when you're making a saturated salt solution. And so Al's expertise in terms of making the viscosity right so that it actually could be mass produced and commercialized yeah. and so that you would have a uniformity from one packet to another. And the blend when you're at the factory making it in 500 gallon drums, you need a homogenous blend, a ratio. So the first uh, pump that goes into the pouch has the same ratio of salt as the last one. And without the expertise of, of thickeners uh, to, to get the right viscosity, you can't keep the salt in suspension. The salt would just drop to the bottom. You'd one packet right. would be all water, one would be too much salt. It would the, the yeah. inconsistency would be there. This was it, really key. Because the salt to water ratio matters right off out of the gate. In terms of the capacity that you mm -hmm. want to get, in terms of how much right. water you want it to give up and how much you want it to absorb. So Dr. Elsari is the salt guy. Bob Essie is the packaging guy. Yeah. Yep. So how hard was it to figure out what kind of packaging you're going to throw this in? Because I'm assuming it's messy. Well, Al, the first iterations, I would go to the grocery store and get film that was underneath the, like, the meat, ground beef or chicken or whatever. And he would peel that film off and then he would seal that or crimp it or, you know, what have you in his, that was the first iteration. And he knew that he needed a packaging engineer um, like wow. Bob Essie to bring it to the point where this could be commercialized to get uh, films that were more effective, faster, that would hold liquid. So the idea is you want to hold the liquid. You don't want liquid to get out, yeah. but you want water vapor to readily go back and forth. And up to that point, um, those types of films really weren't around very much. They were very limited Sure. Um, most yeah, most things were in life were to either keep it all out or let it you know right. <laughs> let it all in or so we went with an other um, uh, membranes or in, or films and so forth that were adequate. We've been using this one for you know twenty two years probably um, now. And we've been long time. in business for twenty five. Yeah. yeah. So to, at, at, after three years, we finally got one that worked. So it took three years to figure out which one's going to work the best for this current application. Yeah, because even the first ones we didn't realize too is is they were, the seals over time would, would could leak and, and so on. So we, right. had, we had a lot of issues. I mean, here we're selling product, but when you're innovating, you don't- You don't know. You, you know your accelerated testing that you do in the lab doesn't necessarily translate always to real world examples. And so, um, you know, we had, we ran into issues when, right. I mean, yeah, we had some big ones. Trust me, uh, that worked. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the the film is really important because you want speed of water vapor transfer. Yep. But you want strength of seal, durability of the film in its in itself to be able to hold, you know, take pressure and, and right. movement, and because it's in portable pieces. I've been so. I've been at trade shows where I stand on. Them yeah. And I say, look at you know, if you jump on it, it's going to break. But if you just stand on it, we have industrial strength seals. Yep. Tim and I did that for <laughs> Carlos Fuente at the um, Hyatt Hotel near the O'Hare Airport. You stood on at the, the Big Smoke in Chicago. We knew that Fuente was a juggernaut in the industry, and, and Tim would Tim would hound him like uh, white on rice. Uh, it was it was like uh, you know just <laughs> yeah just not. <nonstop. laughs> if was you're gonna go into the cigar biz, Fuente's top. Yeah, yeah. go to go. go to the Michael Jordan. Go to the Wayne Gretzky. Exactly. Yeah, so. Who controls the most amount of tobacco? Who's hot in the market? Let's go. Yep. So we were sharing our vision. It was, and our vision was to give consumers an opportunity to experience the cigar 
in the same condition as where they're made. Yeah. In the Caribbean. Because Carlito has said that before. He'll smoke a cigar in the DR, taste yeah. great. He'll go and travel to events in the States, smoke his product off the shelf, and it just doesn't have missing all the something. There are harsh so realities. There are harsh realities that happen when that cigar, that container, leaves the docks in Central America or the Caribbean, and they go through distribution. They go through their checkpoints. It's the gap. You're not well, able to control that gap once it leaves the factory. That's right. You lose all control. You got humidity and temperature changes that are going to go from 100% humidity if it's on the boat to. 120 degrees, 190 degrees in some cases. So, boy, your cigars are going to get toasted. Yeah, and even even if the wrapper's not cracked when you get there, that whole process of temperature change and and the cigar is actually um, giving off its its moisture in the tobacco, and along with that, you're getting some release of those natural oils and sugars in there, and it's just kind of degrading over time. So you're losing some of the the strength and the oomph and the character and the flavor that that's in the tobacco itself, and and you and we talked to Carlito about this, and this is through talking to Dr. Al and and so forth, and understanding um, the plant from a totally different way that historically or traditionally the these time honored and these experts that are really know their stuff, and so Carlito recognized that because he knew when he would get to the states. That yeah, the cigars are good, but they're not like it is. They are there before yeah. they go through that whole process of distribution. Right. And what I think is interesting is, as you burn a cigar, the part that's actually burning, that's not the part you're tasting. You're tasting just a few millimeters before it. Those oils and sugars are heating up, and that's what you're tasting. That's why yeah. if you get it too hot, it's like yeah. bitter and bitter. Yeah, you yeah. burned all those oils and sugars too much. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing that, but you don't think of that. I, well, didn't, yeah. I didn't think of that. I grew, I worked in a tobacco shop. I did the whole thing. Come to Bovin and I'm like, boy, this thing is not the same thing yeah. that I yeah. remember at the tobacco shop because now it brings on a whole new meaning. Yeah. Understanding. Yeah, one, one of the most important things is, is the temperature that you're burning your cigar at, whether, yeah. how much you're going to enjoy it. It's a, it's a night and day difference after you actually give a minute to two minutes, depending on well, sometimes this cigar, three minutes, four minutes to let it cool down. Yeah. And then two, Hochi Blanco, who we work with very well, said slower draws, not big, like big ones to big really heat it version. up. Yeah. Just nice, slow draw and you'll taste so many more flavors. Anyways, so true. I digress. Yeah. That yeah. just blows my mind because just that simple tip can get you to totally change the flavor of a cigar. Yeah. We, we sat down with Carlito in um, Vegas. I remember that, um, you and me, and maybe even Bob at uh, that I point. think it was Bob, yes. Um, we shared our technology with him. We told him what it could do, that this, is, this can add moisture and remove. He said, that's good. He said, because if you're just a humidifier, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah, he didn't want a one-way humidifier. He, he wants moisture to come out. Too much moisture is bad. Too little moisture is bad. You yeah. need to just really hold it. And so he really, that really resonated with it, which was interesting because all the other major companies that we sat down with, that just like, that didn't connect with them. They weren't thinking that way. Mm. They, because we were meeting with executives. Carlito's a tobacco growers. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And 
and he's he knows this through generate through his father and through his grandfather and through his experience from the time he was a kid and so he understood it in a different way and so when we shared it with him bang now we had somebody who was genuinely interested and he said this thing if this you do what you say to you do this thing's yeah. going to change the industry this will change it yeah is that where you stood on the pack no that not was yet. Okay. not yet okay. yeah they, we're they, getting back to that eventually. we're, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. eventually getting there yeah. no the uh what was great is that you know sean crafted the 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 language around oils and sugars and the fluctuations and eliminating that it it stuck with carlito because he he got it it was an experience that he already had so it wasn't a big leap for him to buy into, you're right, that's kind of what's happening. It was like a light bulb went off. And then when he said, if you're a humidifier, I want nothing. I'm more worried about too much moisture than I am not enough in a lot of the packaging. And, and you notice that when you go to the Dominican Republic, if it's outside raining and cigars are sitting on the counter, they are just, they are sucking up the, the, the excess humidity. So had he invited you down and you had already talked to him and you were negotiating the deal? Let's back up because Tim sent samples first. He goes, just send me oh, some yeah. of your product. Okay. This is a absolute yeah. crucial component to the story okay. to get to convince Carlito that he's on the right track. Because he said, well, you know, he conceptually loved it, understood everything, resonated with him. So Tim, Tim's got some samples down there too. Yeah, so he sent samples and, and you have to realize Carlito is really hard to get a hold of. I mean, it, it, this isn't like, oh, I just make a phone call and maybe it's like 10, 15 dials, you know, just, and eventually he'll get, he got back. So, um, and he never, the phone never came my direction. All of a sudden, one day I call her ID and it's, it's coming from- it was, it was late in the afternoon if I remember. Yeah, it was coming from Carlos Fuente Jr. And I'm like, what the heck? He's so calling me? He's calling me, yeah. So this, you know, as a sales guy, you're finally like, oh, this is, might be the breakthrough. I hope everything's okay, you know? Right. And um, so he had called and he said, hey, I just, I got to let you know that I, uh, the samples that you sent to me, I uh, stored some Opus X with those, let them sit for a little while. And um, he goes, I, I decided to pull one of those out to smoke it. And he goes, it was so good. It was so good. It's like I wanted to eat the cigar. He goes, I don't know what you guys have or what you do, but this is unbelievable. He goes, so I, he goes, I just thought maybe it was mine, my own experience. So then I gave a cigar to my dad and I said, dad, smoke this and just tell me what you think of it. And he smoked it, ended up having a great experience, said, uh, that was a great cigar. What did you do to it? Why was it different? And then Carlito shared it with him that, that you know, that it was stored with, back then we were called Humidipac. And, um, and that was the, really the, the spike in the catalytic convert, you know, the, the catalyst right. that kind of got us to a point where he got over, <laughs> right? The catalyst? The catalyst. Yeah. Uh, Definitely not converter. a catalytic converter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that got us over the, uh, over the hump with him. So there was all these little pieces to the puzzle that were kind of yeah. catching him at the right time. But then he, he smoked a cigar that had been stored with us. And he was, you know, I just will never forget. He was like, oh, it's like I wanted to eat it. You know, it was How so good. How do you get the guy who makes some of the best cigars in the world to enjoy a cigar even better? He did. <laughs> I mean, at that point, yeah, he, he was, I would thank just be you. riding high yeah. and be like, oh, my well, God. We I, were, just, we were, I impressed uh, the toy maker so much just now that yeah. this yeah. is it. So yeah. then what happened next? Then we, um, 
Well, he, invite, he invited yeah. us down there. So we're leading yeah. up to this O'Hare, um, Hilton, um, there, the Hyatt, the Hyatt O'Hare for the Big Smoke coming up. Okay. And we had, by this time, we had gone down there to see him to mm -hmm. advance this. Um, I, th I believe that's, I believe we went down there. Yeah, we had already been So down we're getting there, yeah. close to now, you know, we're trying to put together this this deal with him right to, to be in his our, our, we said we want to be in all your boxes here you put the water drop you know on the outside to indicate to, to the world that these are protected with two-way humidity control right and it's uh, like the intel so chip the, sticker yeah like, here we go let's go yeah these are protected. now so remember that deal with lane limited yeah, yeah so product that was the previous generation of our sure. product the Biggest cigar catalog in the world at the time. There really was only there were others, but this this was by far and away JR one eight hundred JR cigar. On the very back cover, they were talking about this space age humidipack gooey stuff that leaks on everything. And because on all those Lane Limited cigars, the product leaks, and so they. They had actually, when Consolidated bought Lane Limited, they contacted JR Cigar and said, hey, we've got this whole inventory that's, a, that's worthless. You want to buy it? He bought it for pennies on the dollar. He says, I'll make money with this thing. And he said, all you got to do is go on the back of your mad comic magazine and order up one of those x-ray vision glasses to see through whether they're good or not. Now that's what we did. He said we bought these X-ray vision glasses. But we're not sure. We're not sure how good these glasses are. So if you buy one and they're and they're all leaked with this goo on it, you own them. There's no returns on this product. So he's just playing. He's just Russian roulette. Like he's here. just saying we're we're like it, it was like devastating for us. Buy at your own risk. But he announces. I mean, this is like okay. This is a major. We know the problem. Setback for us. And you, the consumer, can take the risk. You can either score big. For pennies on the dollar, or you got a gooey mess. In, and thank Humidipack. <laughs> and we don't have a we don't have a real brand. We don't have a known brand at this time. We're trying to introduce a whole new concept. Sure. No one has ever um, seen a product at this point that's in packet form, disposable to, to protect cigars. As far as two-way humidity Consumers control, don't no really one, know you. Nobody even knew that concept. Yeah. The owner of that catalog company, JR Cigar. Happened to go down to the DR, and on the way back to or from whatever, he sat in first class next to Carlito. And he told him, Carlito said, what do you think of this? And he says, whatever you do, do not do that, Carlito. You do not need to use this. You know, I'm being told by some really people who are entrenched in this industry that I'm, I am really making a major mistake if I do this thing. I don't think I can do it. This, I'm not sure that this is strong enough. And so when we're at the O'Hare, uh, the the Hyatt uh, by the O'Hare Airport for the Big Smoke, we're we're in the we're, we intercept him like Carlito, you know. Yeah. We're like because we yeah, because I'm sure he's dodging. Oh yeah, we're, we're like now we've got a group of us here, him and his little entourage, and and Tim and I trying to show him how look at how strong this is. We're trying to break it. We have a new film. Hey, hey, you got it. We have a new film. We've got new technology. This is this is where we're at. So you yeah. know, we had him at the height of like ready to go. And now he's down here like, I've been told by somebody I really respect, I'm absolutely crazy to do this for my brand. He's further down than when you first talked to him. <laughs> yeah, prob yeah, probably, he's, yes. He's oh. beyond that. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm interested. He has a lot to risk. He had, yeah. he, Fuente sells, they don't even, 
take an order. They just shipped at this time ship cigars to retailers. Retailers yeah, to get what you get. Yeah, they show up with your Yeah, yeah, automatic down. You're an idiot. Yeah, you may not get you may not get another shipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were doing our best, like Carlito. I get it. That's this is improved. This is this film is the this is the ticket. Did that resonate with him? Yeah, well, it did. We stood on the product. You know, we we really we did what you were doing. I mean, we stood on this. We put all Carlito here. Try to break it. Yeah, try and break it. As a matter of fact, do break it. Do what you can. I mean, he sat there. He was pulling on this thing. He is this the film that we have now? Yes. Yes. Okay. He was sitting there pulling. It. He couldn't. It was like it was stretching. No, you can't rip it. Yeah. You can't tear it. No. And he was he was worried about the contents. You know. Okay. Right. So what what does this do? And you know, explaining it's just salt and water and food gumming agent. I mean, it's all uh, FDA. You know, yeah. it's all food grade ingredient. So he uh, we did end up puncturing it because he just wanted to taste it, and it's salty. You know, it's very, very right. bitter, but, uh, but yeah, he stood on it. He couldn't break it, but he, he wanted, he wanted this to work. He wanted to do it. Yeah. We yeah. knew that very much. He wanted to pioneer. He is an innovator. He didn't have to do it, but he wanted to show mm -hmm. the industry the future. And he's got a number of these situations. And in, in, when you go down to see the factory of the things that they would innovate or be first in, and this is one that he wanted to be first. So he did want it uh, to work. He created with his designer, an absolute stellar packaging custom. Um, it's gorgeous. Custom. It's really, still available really. today. And we still use it to this day, and we allow him to use that Humidipac uh, on there. Water droplet. The other part of, uh, that we did with Fuente is, you know, the humidor bags with the picture of, of yep. Carlos Sr. And, and Carlito on it. That was a concept that we brought to him and said, you know, we could you can make money with this humidor bag. So not only are we in your packaging, but you could have the bags. You know, we've come this, what, 25, right. 25 years, and now a lot of companies are selling cigars in bags. Back then they were like, I don't know about that. Everything's real traditional with wood and what, you know, in a bag that de devalues it. Well, it doesn't, but anyway. Yeah, sampler packs were like sampler you know, packs, yeah. nothing. You guys were just breaking ground on yeah, introducing we that yep. to yeah. the makers. Well, one of the reasons why he wanted us to test product is because when we know that each humidipack, let's call it humidipack, is what we got, uh, had 18 grams of weight to it, of filling, salt solution. So when we would, when those would now come to the states and be in a humidor, the sometimes those were over 20, 22 grams of weight. So they're pulling moisture out of the cigar. So clearly we knew that um, cigars sometimes are going in there at a higher humidity. And so in his quest and passion to say, to really have understanding and to seek understanding of everything that's going on with the cigar. That's the beauty about working with a guy like Fuente who's into the tobacco so much into the quality and consistency, you know, in, in collaborating with us, we we worked to really have an understanding of how these aging rooms, because he had multiple aging rooms, is how different are they from one time, you know, one in the, in the same time of year, but in addition to that, different times of year, and how the changes happen based on uh, the rainy season or not uh, in the Dominican Republic. Sure. And so when we brought down this, you know, more expensive instrumentation, you know, hygrometers are cheap. You know, you get them for a buck right. uh, or $2 or, or whatever. They're very unreliable. But we had a scientific uh, instrument that uh, Dr. Al in our lab that we had, that same type of stuff they would use in General Mills. 
What's that would the cost do more. Of the instrumentation? Four or five hundred. They were yeah, expensive. Four just or under, just under a thousand bucks. Yeah. Just under you know, eight hundred dollars, maybe at the time. Probably cheap now, but. And the water activity machine. That's about that's six, eight, seven thousand, eight thousand bucks. Six, seven thousand. Yeah. So you guys are going to Fuente with this stuff? Yes. Yeah, we were using those expensive water activity machines in the lab. Did we bring the water? Yeah, we activity? did. Yes. We yeah. brought. We brought. Yeah, we, that's right. We brought that. A seven thousand dollar machine. Yeah. Brought to Fuente. Yeah. So we had the eight hundred dollar. Um, the hygrometer, yeah. the wand, and then the water activity machine. So we would say, here's the ambient right now, and now let's splice up these cigars and get readings on what the water activity is. Um, and so he was blown away at like, yeah. holy cow. You know, in some rooms were a little bit more than others and so forth. Right. So he went on a quest to fix all that and to get more um, consistency. In the Tell the story about the cigar overnight on yeah. the rolling room floor. Yeah. So uh, part of that test process that we that we did was went into the uh, into one of the aging rooms, like Sean said, we did a wand. Okay, everything's, you know, it says it's about 70% in here. He felt comfortable or actually... He liked his aging rooms to be a little bit more, so 72, I believe it was. We pulled a cigar out, did a water activity on it, and it was dead on 69 or 70%. It was perfect. That's like, he's like, Ready okay, to go. This, is, this is where I want it to be. Smoke. Then we left that cigar on the rolling table overnight, came in, back in the next morning, did another water activity on it, and it was at 78 Way above active. the mold threshold, which is Way, 72, 75 and, at the most. Yeah, and you were looking around his, his factory, and all these cigars are sitting out there. And it was a because they didn't get into the aging room right away. Well, you know, when they at the end of the day, they they don't put everything back in all the time. I right. Mean, but you know, mm -hmm. he was saying, okay, this is what's happening when they're exposed in the environment of the Dominican Republic. And that, not, not on the rolling table, by the way, in the packaging area. The so packaging, they're ready to go yeah, into right. the box. I'm sorry, the packaging yeah. area. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're getting ready to be. Yeah. Boxed and then yeah. put inside the aging. Room. And this happens in every factory in the world. I mean, you're, right. you know, all of them are down in the tropics, really. So the humidity, generally, depending on the time of year, it's not all. It's not always the same, of course. Right. So we're going and from so, that's seventy why, to seventy-eight. And that's why Carlito loved this technology so much. Is to bring now we're going to bring consistency throughout, no matter what time of the year it is, no matter what day or whether it rained today or not. Or how it ships. Yeah. And how it ships, these are going to be uh, consistent, and they're going to be so good you're going to want to eat them. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I want to so eat good, this. You this want to so eat good. it. This is very good. But that did spur on. So you were talking about how he changed things. That's that was really the uh, the spark to help him say, I've got to have an Opus X packing room that I keep it at sixty five percent. And why was that? Because you you guys found out that. The Don Carlos, what we're smoking, is a Cameroon wrapper, and it can smoke way better at 70, 72. And then the Opus smokes way better because it's super oily and toothy at 65. Yes. Because it in, in anything, if it's over-humidified, it'll mute flavors. It won't mm. burn off those oils and sugars. If it's under-humidified, they burn too quickly and get bitter. Yeah. So the cigar manufacturers traditionally always... Um, think of moisture content, okay? They don't think in the world of water activity, so they just think of moisture content. And there's a difference between the two. So moisture content is when we take this and weigh it, and then we dry it out, and we see how much moisture how much left the product. How much percent water left the product. In water activity, it's when we put it inside a machine, and it says, this is how much water is actually in the product itself. 
Water, yeah, water activity is uh, measuring the water that's really available or active or relevant uh, because some yeah, water is bound in, water. in the system. Right. Yep. Well, uh, Opus, let's say, let's just use 14% moisture content. In Opus, to be at 14% moisture content, and, the, and these, forget, don't, you know, this may not be the exact number, but would be, let's say, 65% relative humidity to reach that. A Don Carlo would need to be at 70% in order to be at that moisture content. So the different tobaccos behave a little bit differently, and that's why some tobaccos should be in the mid-60s and some should be closer to 70%. Like a, like a Cameroon wrapper, for example, that's got the same moisture content as this, if this is stored at 65 and that's stored at uh, 70. Yep. And so we graph these. So we would do isotherms in the lab. Dr. Sari would do moisture sorption isotherms to understand the relationship of that ambient rel uh, relative humidity and how that impacts the moisture content. And so you put that on a curve and now you understand. And so that, that research that we did really led to the idea of saying, let's come out with a product now that can reach different humidity. You know, at our, we always had these available. We right. just didn't market them in the cigar market until 2004, 2005, when we came out with the brand Bovida. But, but, but that research that we did with Fuente, really, it, or not just Fuente, but all, all cigars, because we would buy cigars all over the country. We would do moisture sorption isotherms on the different tobaccos to understand how each would behave differently at different points in humidity. We discovered and realized that having different points in humidity for the humidor is probably not a bad idea. To be learning together at, at certain times, and um, but you know, a master at what he does. It was, it was a great experience for sure. Yeah. And you guys went down there and he didn't call you until super late at night to go to dinner. Keep in mind, you know, we're just barely, you know, barely 30 years old. I mean, we were probably 30. Okay. We were pretty young and raw trying to get a business going. And, you know, every time it felt like we're getting some momentum. And so we needed this kind of, um, uh, deal with Fuente. One, to put us on the map, to give us credibility, and all those things were really important. But the other thing is, we're fans. You know, think of being a, um, and you're a fan of cigars big time. And, maybe. And just a little. Maybe. maybe. Just, <laughs> and so that's kind of where we were. And so we're thinking, can you believe it? We're going to go have a meeting with Carlos Fuente Jr. And this is in his, I mean, this was, we were like on cloud nine. We Going were, to the Dominican Republic, never been there. So excited, so excited uh, to go down there. We love cigars. It's like, this is yeah. two kids you, in a candy store. Had you ever been to a factory at that point? No. Uh, never been to a cigar factory at that no, point? No, not at nope. that point. Actually. So no. this is your first opportunity. First, first, first. total ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I remember, set the stage. I remember, you, fly, I remember flying in because it was the old airport, a tiny little thing. And, yeah. you know, there are no um, jetways or anything like that. You just you get down, you go down the stairway into the, right. you know, and you everyone. get off the and plane people, outside. Yes. People in the airport are all lined up there cheering when they get there, you know, because for, for all their revel relatives and oh, all this sure. kind of stuff. Just and uh, the way. Uh, it was just the, different. They we react, never experienced yeah. that before. Okay. So we, we got you there. You thought, boy, these people really like Humidipac. They're all cheering for us. Yeah, that's right. Humidipac's here! We're heroes. Um, <laughs> no, but the experience, too, of getting off that plane. And then we, nobody came and picked us up, I, right? We, you guys no, didn't we ask had, them to send a big black car and yeah, limousine we, or exactly. something? I mean, so we had to try to figure here. out how to get a cab. We didn't know where we, we were going hotel? when we got into a cab. You can't speak me. Spanish. We don't speak no. Spanish at all. 
It was an experience. Grand, Grand Almirante is the hotel. That's probably the only word the cab driver heard and understood, so he took us there. <laughs> Uh, Grand Almirante. Okay, yeah. great. Grand Almirante. Uh, My Spanish is impeccable, so if you guys uh, need any yeah, help, let me know. All right, can help us. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we got. See, I don't know. What, we got there. I don't know. We got there. We're waiting. Like, okay, <clears throat> Carlito, he's got to. You know, he's going to call. He said he'd call or whatever. Yeah, he was going to call us for dinner, and um, I had left him some messages, but no. Of no, course, the no, one-way phone call. Yeah, the one-way. Yeah, and um, we were waiting and waiting. And, uh, you know, I, I can't remember, we landed midday, and so we went to the hotel, and we were kind of... Probably sat by the pool a little sat, bit. Yeah, and sat by the pool, probably waiting, and Counting then, down the hours, you know, right. for dinner. But he, he had said, hey, I'm going to pick you guys up for dinner. We're, we're doing dinner tonight. And, How uh, nerve-wracking to sit there for that many hours. Well, yeah, we were keeping busy a little bit. I think we walked down the street, if I remember. Oh, we, yeah, we did. We walked down That's the street right. to kind of check things out, and... Santiago is kind of a you know industrial little city. It's not yeah. glamorous by any means. I mean, there's just right. trucks and buses and mopeds and everything. Just yeah, yeah. it, it, is, it is industrial all the way. This yeah. there is nothing you're right, glamorous. Yeah, nothing glamorous, nothing touristy about Santiago. Right. It, this is a, where business is getting. Done. Th this yeah. is where all the factories, manufacturing, Levi's was making product. You know, the clothing there, everything. It was yeah. not. Yeah, nothing pretty about it. You don't want to venture too far from the hotel for all we knew. I mean, okay, uh, all that. Yeah, so we, we waited and waited and waited, and it got to about like 9.30. Okay, so, you know, Sean and I, you know, we've always shared hotel rooms just because, you know, in the very beginning days, we, we didn't have yeah. a lot of money, so that was one way to uh, save, and so we'd gotten ready for, for bed, you know, it was like... Like, oh, it's getting to bed, he's standing us up. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna we, stand we us up. We just got stood up, yeah. we came all the way down here. I wonder if we're even gonna get together. 